The one metric we look at is not views, not likes, not comments, it's shares. Because that is, as you know, word of mouth marketing. Friends, you are gonna tell your friends someday that you heard this episode of Social Pros because our guest on the program this week is going to be a big, big, big deal. If you took Abe Saperstein, the founder of the Harlem Globetrotters, added a, di- a little dash of Bill Veck, the baseball promotional pioneer, and combined that into a candy-coated P.T. Barnum wrapper, and then taught all three of them how to use TikTok, you would have this week's guest on the show, Jesse Cole. He's the owner of the Savannah Bananas baseball team, which is sweeping the country, all kinds of media coverage. We'll talk about that today. But one of the reasons we wanted to have my buddy Jesse on the show is he's got a brand new book coming out in just two or so weeks called Fans First, Change the Game, Break the Rules, and Create an Unforgettable Experience. Could not recommend this book highly enough. Go pre-order order it today, because I'll tell you what, this book is going to sell out instantly on the Amazon, wherever you get your books. So make sure you get your pre-order in or you're going to be caught waiting uh, for shipping delays. It's that good. He's that good. Jesse Cole, thanks for taking the time. Welcome to Social Pros. I'm fired up. And thank you for the, the emphasis of big, 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 big. I've never been called big that many times. So thank you for that. Well, we've got another 30 minutes, so I could call you big a few more times, but you've got a lot going on. I mean, even since like the last two weeks, right? Uh, you've been on ESPN a couple times, interview with HBO Sports, a bunch of other media coverage. It's going crazy for Savannah Bananas. Thank you for taking the time to do the show. For, for folks who are not familiar, I guess it probably makes most sense, Jesse, to just frame it up, tell them what the bananas is, is and, uh, and we'll get into it. Sure, sure. And, and you know how much love I have for you and how much we've learned from you and, and everything that you've taught, my friend. Thanks. So uh, let's go back. Uh, I guess, yes, we're a baseball team, um, but it's a circus and a baseball game breaks out is what people refer to us as. It is a complete circus. And so it went and start that way. Uh, six years ago, my wife and I bought a baseball team to come to Savannah, Georgia. We had this big goal of making it fun, making it entertaining. And we only sold a handful of tickets in our first few months. And by January of 2016, we had overdrafted our account. We had to sell our house. Uh, we were sleeping on an airbed. And it was at that moment, Emily and I said we had to go all in and really create something different. And so we named the team after a fruit. We became the Savannah Bananas. And we came up with our senior citizen dance team called the Banana Nanas. We came up with our male cheerleading team called the Mananas. We came up with a banana baby before every game that we lift up into the air and sing, Nah, Savannah, nah, here. And we basically just made it into a wild, crazy show. And fortunately, the fans came out that opening night. We were wearing green uniforms because we weren't quite ripe. And we played that way. We made six errors, played terrible. But the fans watched the Nanas dance. And they watched players deliver roses to little girls in the crowd. And they watched the breakdancing coach and the banana pep band. And they told everyone. And as you talk about talk triggers and word of mouth marketing, they spread the news. And since that day, we have sold out every single game. And I was just told by our team, our wait list has passed 25,000 for tickets. So it's amazing. We're taking our tour. We're traveling over the country. We developed a new game called Banana Ball. And we're having a lot of fun on social media as well. 
I want to touch on that briefly. So the Bananas are in the Coastal Plains League, which is a, a collegiate summer baseball league. So you actually are in like an actual league, right? You play real opponents. You have a schedule and games and all that. Uh, of course, you do it with a lot of uh, pizzazz and verve, as mentioned. And I'm sure some of your opponents are like, oh, great. We got to go play the, the Bananas again. We're just trying to get a base hit. And these guys got old ladies dancing and, uh, and, and confetti cannons and everything else. But then, as you mentioned, you now are... are doing sort of a globetrotter style world tour where you take the show on the road transcending your regular baseball league and and taking the bananas brand of fun and more importantly fan experience uh to stadiums all across the country and of course in that regard the the sky is uh, is a limit is it not Yes, and that, that is the future. We started as a college summer team and playing regular games, and we realized a friction point that baseball was still too long, too slow, too boring. We couldn't control that. So that's why we developed Banana Ball, the two-hour time game, where you know batters could steal first, there's no bunting, and if fans catch a foul ball, it's an out, which has happened three times already on this tour. We bring the fan on the field, and he gets a standing ovation. It's a really cool moment. So that's the future. Uh, I don't know how long the Coastal Plain League will be a part of us, but um, people want this Banana Ball, and when fans line up. I mean, we were in Montgomery, Alabama, and 5,000 fans lined up three hours before the game started. It's things we've never seen before, and we know they want us to be a part of something that's new and unique, and that's what we're doing. It really is truly a sight to behold, and, and I don't say that lightly. I live in Phoenix, which is, of course, spring training mecca for so many, and we just went to several games this season. And I got to say, Jesse, there was no flaming baseball bats. There was nobody on stilts. There were, I mean, you know, there's your typical in-between innings shows, but uh, I'm a little jealous now, and I'm also a little jealous because the World Tour is sold out. Is that correct? Yes, every game sold out, every city sold out, and it's it's pushing us to go to more cities. And I think one of the things we test, it's always about experimenting. And that's a huge thing in social media, as we know. But for us, last year, we did a one-city world tour. I mean, that's what we started with. We called it a one-city world tour. And now we expanded to seven cities, and next year, 25 cities. And I think Phoenix is uh, potentially somewhere soon will be coming there. So, And Indiana, too. We'll be looking at that as well, Jay. So I think we're going to expand like crazy um, and just have fun because the demand, people want to see these things they've never seen before in a baseball field. I don't want to get too granular into the roster side of it, but you've got a separate touring team that, that's part of the, the touring program, and then you've got the regular collegiate players to play, uh, to play you know, quote-unquote regular baseball. Is that correct? Yes, correct. Yeah, we developed uh, the Savannah Bananas that play the party animals, which are crazy. They come in jumping over the fence with Roman candles and fireworks and deliver pizzas to their dugout and literally shotgun drinks in the middle of the game. That's the villain playing the bananas. But the crazy thing is the Globetrotters, who I've got to know very well, they travel with 30 people on their tour. We travel with 120 on our tour. So it's completely unscalable. But that's one of my beliefs. If you want to do the scalable, you have to do the unscalable first. And so I don't know how we're going to scale it, but I know we want to deliver a show that's so unforgettable that we create fans that tell everyone about it. And I think that will take care of itself in the future. But it's it's big. And the Bananas lose. The Bananas lost a game uh, last weekend in West Palm Beach, which was not how you write it up, but it makes it real in between the show. And I think that's really important to keep the validity of what we do. 
Let's talk about the the book for a second. So excited that it's coming out. You, of course, draw from a lot of your own experiences and lessons that you learned building the bananas from literally nothing, just an idea to, to what it is today in, in, uh, in six short years. You talk about uh, the five E's, five E's to create raving fans. And as a sucker for alliteration myself, I love the fact that there are five, five E's in the book. Uh, eliminate friction, entertain always, experiment constantly, engage deeply, and empower action. Uh, I love the eliminate friction idea because if there's one thing, and you touched on it briefly, Jesse, that baseball traditionally has is a lot of friction. It's, it's, it is an imperfect game, uh, especially for the modern age. And, and I know you have decided to throw out the mold with banana ball, but also just in terms of the fan experience uh, at your own uh, home park, uh, Grayson, and, and then also on the road tour. Talk a little bit about some of those friction points and how you uh, identified them and, and swept them away. Sure. And, and I think it's a starting point for all innovation is to put yourself in your customer's shoes and look at the friction points. And I believe there's macro friction, industry level, and then there's the micro frictions. And so the macro friction for baseball, long, slow and boring. You go to a stadium, you get nickel and dimed, you know, and then you can go even further down the macro friction and all the advertisements and all the ads around the ballpark and just keep going with that. And so we've attacked them like we are fanatical about the fan experience. So long, slow and boring, obviously, from the pep band to the break dancing coach to the dancing umpire to the senior citizen dance team. Yes, there's a lot of dance, but we, we have a magician now. We have Princess Potassia now. I just talked to the world champion sign spinner that I want in the future that he'll be coaching third while giving signs and spinning them. So we're constantly looking at how do you entertain and keep it fast. And then banana ball now a two-hour time game. Um, nickel and dimed. Everyone knows they've gone to a ballpark. They've bought your tickets and you pay a ticket fee. And then you pay a convenient fee, which is the most inconvenient fee in the world. And then you pay taxes, and a $35 ticket is $52.85, whatever. We eliminate. We have no ticket fees, no convenient fees, and we pay your taxes. A $20 ticket in, in Savannah includes all your burgers, hot dogs, chicken sandwiches, soda, water, popcorn, dessert, everything. No parking fees, no ticket fees, no convenient fees, none of that. So that is eliminating the friction. And now in our stadium in Savannah, we even eliminate all of our ads. It's an ad-free ballpark. You're not going to get advertised to and announcements because it's no one wakes up in the morning and wants to be advertised to, sold to, or marketed to. So it is crazy. It was a crazy move to make two weeks before the pandemic to throw away hundreds of thousands of dollars. But what has happened now is our merchandise is now seven times what we did in total sponsorship, seven times. And so I think you look at where the money comes from. Look at sports, Major League Sports. It comes from TV revenue. It comes from sponsorship. It comes from rev shares. 98% of our revenue comes from our fans. That's who we work for. And so that's how we make every decision. That's, that is absolutely phenomenally insane. Because obviously, you know, everybody knows that pretty much everything in life that we enjoy runs on advertising dollars or is made possible by advertising dollars. And what was that stat again? It was seven times what you were making in sponsorships? Is now merchandise. And that's growing leaps and bounds. I mean, we're doing hundreds of orders a day online all over the world. And when we go to a stadium on our tour, it's bigger than anything we could ever imagine. And I think it's because we've worked so hard to create these fans that they want to wear the logo. If we want a great test of, of a brand, are people willing to wear your logo? And anything, like Yeti, for instance, it, they're a cooler brand, but people wear their hats because they believe what they believe and they, know, they love what they stand for. That's what we're so passionate about is creating a brand that people want to wear. Are you now a t-shirt company with a baseball division? 
<laughs> it's interesting. Our, our, most teams, like I said, have so many revenue breakdowns. It is tickets and merchandise. And then here in Savannah, it's the extra food and bev, the alcohol and the premium items. But that's it. And so we're so focused and simplified that we can create all these videos and content that people can buy merchandise or they can try to buy tickets. So clearly, right out of the gate, um, eliminating friction, you have completely engineered the process to remove the friction. But sometimes the source of friction isn't always so obvious to other businesses. So in that case, you know, obviously you can look at, you know, reviews and, and ratings and complaints, but were there other non-obvious areas of friction that you found throughout your process and throughout your research and, and anything else that other social pros might be able to use to identify hidden sources of friction for their fans? Thank you for this question. I love this question. Yes, I, I, I learned this from Walt Disney. And when Walt Disney built Disneyland, he had an apartment above the fire station on Main Street. And every day he would get out and he'd go disguised. He'd walk with the, the guests. He'd get in line with the guests. He'd go on rides. And he said, Walt said, whenever I go on a ride, I'm always asking what's wrong with this thing and how can it be improved? He was looking for this friction with every step back in the 1950s before he passed. And so, yes, I believe uh, we started doing this. We go undercover fan. So every night, someone on our staff goes undercover. We park with the fans. We walk in with the fans. We sit with the fans. We eat with the fans. We listen to the fans. And so I do it. And I have to be quiet now because people recognize my voice. But I, the first time I did it a couple of years ago, I was parking and there was no great parking. And my car hit a pothole and bottomed out. I would have never known that if I didn't go undercover. And so then I walked in. I saw our parking penguins were literally eating burgers with their back turned to me which I never would have thought our parking penguins are supposed to be passing out freezy pops to, and to get, say to kids, stay cool tonight. But they literally were eating burgers, doing the opposite. So even in social media, how often do you go through your social experience? Go through your feed. How many times are you selling something versus actually entertaining? How many times are you giving something that, that people like as opposed to trying to get something in return? If you look at our social feed, we never ask our fans for anything. And if for some reason we show merchandise, we show it in a cool, entertaining video. And so I think about how, do you, how often do you go undercover as a fan of your business? And that's how you can find a lot of these things you never thought you'd see before. Yeah, it is, it's crazy how we get so involved and so wrapped up working on the business and in the business that we don't actually take a step back to experience it as a fan or just as, as anybody would experience our brand. Yeah, 100%. I mean, how, how quickly can people find a phone number on your website? How quickly can they, can they reach out to you? How quickly do you respond? What's your voicemail? Is your voicemail, please listen closely as menu options have changed. Dial one for this, dial 10 for this, dial 11 for this. Give your social security number for this. I mean, go through those processes. What's your hold music? Is it boring? Ours is ring, 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 banana phone. And every two weeks, someone calls us and asks us to be put on hold. It's the weirdest thing in the world. So you can look at those points by going through the experience and really be change the experience for your customers and your fans. Why has everybody's menu options changed? That's the question I have. And, and how long ago did they change? What is the statute of limitations on the changing of the menu options to, to alert me? And how often have you memorized it so that you're like, oh, thank, uh, thankfully they warned me that the menu options have changed because I would just I was really warned, I was warned about that. Yeah. 
there, there's there, there's a book chapter in that somewhere, or at least a LinkedIn post. I'm gonna I'm gonna get on that one. Uh, Jesse, one of the other five E's in the book, fans first is to experiment constantly. And you've certainly have found a winning formula for what you're doing in social media. You just passed 2 million fans on TikTok, 300,000 on Instagram, and that's a relatively steep climb. You haven't been doing it all that long. Uh, almost 50 million uh, individual likes now on TikTok, which is incredible. Um, that rewards uh, a lot of experimentation. And what, what was that process like? How did you kind of get going and what have you changed over time? So, especially with TikTok, and when we first started it, you know, it was just two years ago when you think about it, which is crazy. And we had an intern just take it over, and she started posting, and we finally got one video that got like 200,000 views. We're like, whoa, this is pretty good. And I started paying attention. I was like, ooh, all right, there's an organic opportunity here. So I went to her. I said, Savannah, I have one thing that I ask for you. Post every day. And she goes, what do you mean? I don't know. We don't have the contact, uh, content. I go, post every day. Find a way. Because the more we post, the more we're going to learn. And I believe, and I share this in the book, constraints foster creativity. That's actually a constraint. And the, when the off-season, when we have no players here, how do you find content? You have to force yourself to create. And, and you know, I believe that, and, and Jeff Bezos said it, he said, uh, our success is a direct function of how many experiments we do per year, per month, per week, per day. And so that was the one guiding light. I said, experiment, post every day. And then let's every week recap what worked well. And we have a different metric than probably anyone else uses in social media. And yes, like during this banana ball tour, I think we've got 300 million views of our videos. That's not as important to me. The one metric we look at is not views, not likes, not comments. It's shares. It's shares. Because that is, as you know, word of mouth marketing. If you create something that people want to share, it provides such value to them that it gives them social currency to share. So we review what got the most shares. And then we have a guideline say, oh, all right, when we do this during the game, when our players do a dance choreographed in the middle of a pitch and then throw a pitch, that gets more shares than anything else. So we will put the gas on that and keep experimenting. So that has been kind of our guideline with social media use. And every night at our stadium, we do between five to 10 things during a game we've never done before in front of a live crowd. Most of them don't work. You either have a success or you have a story. We get a lot of stories almost every single night. But because of that experimentation, we are learning faster and accelerating our growth faster than anyone else in sports right now, in our opinion. I would guess that the individual segments on TikTok that tend to get shared the most are those that are the most unexpected that are the farthest outside the existing frame of reference, because it's different, it makes it shareable. If it's just good, it may be good enough to solicit a reaction, but it's not unusual enough that you want to use your own social capital to share it. And that's one of the things that I'm so impressed by, the, the work that you do, as you said, every game you're rewriting the playbook, quite literally, is... It's things that have truly never been done on on a baseball field, and that appetite for nightly reinvention, uh, I think, is is extraordinary. How far in advance do you kind of figure that out, right? So we got a game Friday. We're going to try and do five things we've never done before. When do you start piecing that together? Like, what's the experimentation calendar or cadence? Well, it's a, it's a good question, and we finally started getting a little better at it. We struggled with this mightily, but uh, you know, our, our general concept is we believe attention beats marketing 1,000% of the time. So we don't have marketing plans. We have attention plans. And so I had our team study SNL. When you think about SNL, what they do every week, 
to be able to produce new creative content and then have a full live show by the end of the weekend. We're in the same business as SNL. So what is our weekly schedule to create that? So what we developed with our director of entertainment and our attention team, we developed this. And so on Monday mornings, we have an OTT meeting, which is over the top. So those are over the top moments that we're going to do that are completely crazy. And so it starts with that. We start with our three two twos, which we learn is the third inning, the second batter, the second pitch. We always have our pitcher and our infielders do something, whether it's the single ladies dance, which we haven't even released yet. Let's groove tonight. The drop every single game. It starts with that because that has been huge. Uh, in our growth, our four one one. Fourth inning, first batter, first pitch. Our umpire is going to do a choreographed dance while dusting off the bases. Then we go bigger. Uh, a batter doing a split while coming up to bat. A batter smoking a cigar while he's coming up to bat. The bat on fire coming up to bat. We look at all those moments. And so we look at our, our script for that weekend. Do we have three to five that we believe, at least a few of those, if we film right, it'll pop and be big. And that's our attention plan that we create. So we go through that OTT on Monday. Then we do our script read. We go through our script. Then we do rehearsals. So people don't realize before a game, most people are practicing baseball. We are practicing all these moments, how we're going to film them, how we're going to capture them. Is the back in the light on fire? Is he going to drag the bat? Is he going to carry it? How is he going to do the split? Is he going to get up in between each pit and do the split? Is our pitcher on stilts? Is he going to pitch? Is he going to throw a curveball? How are we filming this? All of that rehearsal is done before we even open the gates. So we're ready to film it when there's a sold out crowd in front of us. This, I am seriously sitting here in awe. Like I had a question lined up for you and now I'm, I'm so in awe of this plan because it just, it really does go back to, again, all the ease that you've hit on, you know, entertain always obviously is in there with what you just talked about experimenting constantly. Um, and then also engaging deeply in everything that you do, which we haven't even started talking about engaging deeply, but it's, it's really amazing that everything you do is designed as these like building blocks and steps and foundational pieces that, are, I'm, I'm so inarticulate right now because th that's just awesome that you do this every week and you actually go through these plans. Like it's, it's really cool to see this come to life and see just how foundationally embedded all of these eats are and put into practice. Well, thank you. I, I think the really cool thing is it, it more than anything gives our team purpose. It gives us drive. Like we're excited because, you know, people get bored when they're doing the same things over and over again. But because every week we get to do it and then we get to send out to the world and we're like, oh my goodness, this video has got 30 million views and 100,000 shares. Like out of nowhere, they get to feel pride. And this is something that I learned from Bob Iger from Disney. He said, you know, if we want people to really love working for Disney, we got to create great movies, great characters and great storylines that our people are proud of. And so that's what kind of what brings us all together is that we love doing it because we get to go set it on the world and get that immediate feedback that our fans like this. Jesse, let me ask you a mechanical question. As you mentioned, you've got to rehearse all the different bits in the show to see how you're going to block it, film it, create the content for social media, for the website, etc. You have an advantage in that you are in control of the product uh, yourself, so you can have people with cameras on the field during play in a, in a more regular routine baseball scenario. You look at the Yankees versus Red Sox, people with cameras are not like out there on the dirt, right? They're in the camera well, et cetera. Um, so how have you solved for that over time? And have you changed that um, during, your, during the couple of years you've been making the content in terms of how you actually get the shot? Hmm. 
<laughs> well, it's it's funny because the, the the subtitle is "Change the Game, Break the Rules, Create Unforgettable Experience." So we we do break a lot of rules, and we've been fined a lot by leagues in the past of what we've done. <laughs> um, so I'm not going to say we we completely get away with it, but yeah, I, I think the biggest challenge for me was always trying to create the live show and not take away from it. So when we have so many cameras, my fear has always been taking away from the live show. But I've gotten over that because I realized that, well, we only have 4,000, 5,000, 10,000, depending on what we're playing in front of a, a live stadium, then we can impact 10 million, 20 million, that it's okay because people can still say, I was there when that happened. So the live crowd can still feel it. So um, as regards to the blocking, you know, what we've learned on our experimentation on TikTok is that the tight shots always work. So we have to allow a cameraman to be on the field coming with them. When we had a player come out of a, a police car this past week on ESPN, we had our camera crew was inside the cop car with him in, in the whole time because we realized that is worth the shot to get out and cover it. So um, I've gotten over that. Um, but I, I think now it's, it's I let our team get the shots. But when we have HBO Sports at ESPN and today and everyone's there and there's 30 cameras, it's very tough. I go, guys, we're going to have to stay off. One person can get the shot and maybe we can share it. So I don't know if that's where, where you're going mechanical, but Absolutely. again, it goes yeah. experimentation. Yeah. And I think the analogy with SNL really holds there, right? They have a studio audience, but the yes. experience watching that show live in New York City Saturday night is okay. Because yes. you've got the different sets and you've got the cameras and the costume changes and tons of cameras and they're holding up cue cards. And, and so it's cool to be there for sure. And it's visceral and in the moment. But as an actual piece of art, it's not like going to Broadway, right, where the actual yes. presentation of what you see in the audience is amazing. It's not amazing at all. But yet there are a lot more people watching through the television than they are in the studio audience. And as you pointed out, the same is now true for the bananas. But that wasn't always the case. And I'll tell you one thing that we started doing is we do a VIP with 100 people that gets to come in at 445, about an hour before we open the gates. And what we do is we do this rehearsal in front of them, like SNL. So we'll do the 322, the 411. We'll do all the hitters. Just And I'm, I'm watching their reactions. Do they really go nuts on this? And if they do, I say, let's lean in more. And so that's what SNL does great on the rehearsal at 8 o'clock. And they cut, they'll cut skits because it didn't go well. And so there's so much to learn from what they've done. And I think that's where we get a lot of our, our education is from WWE. It's from, it's from SNL. And it's from the groups that are doing live entertainment differently and better. So, Jesse, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but obviously, as you've been talking about, in order to bring this to life, it takes a truly amazing team. And you have seen, as we've been talking about, so much success on social. What does your social team look like and how is it structured? Because in, obviously, you know, with blocking and tackling and planning, there's a lot that goes into this. So how is your current social team structured and, and what does that look like? It, it came about accidentally. I, I remember uh, we hired an intern photographer our first season, and he's taking pictures and he's good. And halfway through the season, he goes, you know, I can do videos. And I go, really? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I can do videos. And I go, I'd love to see what you could do. And so we came up with the idea to do Can't Stop the Peeling, uh, the song by Justin Timberlake that was Can't Stop the Feeling, and it was really big. And he did this music video. And he started filming our players dance and interacting. And I remember on Facebook back in 2016, I, I, we put it out at 8 a.m. And it was like 10,000 more views, 10,000 more views, 100,000 views in the first 30 minutes. I was like, what is happening? And I was like, 
you keep making videos from now on. Like, this is awesome. And I stumbled across it. And so Ben, we ended up hiring him full-time. So he joined us as our full-time videographer. And then from that point, we've added uh, seasonal videographers, intern videographers, and now we have three full-time videographers that are with us at all times. We have um, a young woman who's amazing, just does our TikTok, and then some other marketing collateral. We have a lead director over that. We have a lead creative services. So we've grown from four full-time people, 22-year-olds and a 24-year-old president, uh, to now we have 25 full-time, and I think we have probably seven or so in our creative team. That's awesome. I mean, it just it just goes to show what can happen when you don't sort of put people in a box and you like give them the opportunity to kind of do some cool stuff. And now you have this full fledged, amazing team. And it just started with like one intern being like, hey, I can do this. And, and I think it's a guideline of, of, hey, when we everything changed for us last summer when we met and said, guys, we exist to make baseball fun. Every piece of content does this make baseball fun. Does this fit with us? And then also whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. And so when we started saying, all right, what are, how are post-game interviews normally done? You know, you interview a guy on a mic on the field. And we said, could we do interviews in the showers? Could we do interviews in a bathroom stall? Could we put someone in an ice bath? Could we do, and we start asking all these questions that whatever's normal. So our group knows if we're going to do something, a pre-game video, a post-game video, or a during-game video, it can't be normal because that's not who we are. That's not in our DNA. Do you think that the bananas could have become the sensation that they are before social media existed? Ooh, good question. So I guess I'd have to reference, you go to P.T. Barnum and what he was able to do without any social media and just newspapers. And he found a way to create attention with everything he did at his museum first before he even went into. So I think the answer is yes, but it's been accelerated dramatically. Same thing with Disney and what they were able to do. It's been accelerated by social media. To go from zero to two million followers in two years is unprecedented, uh, at least in, in sports, what we're doing right now. And so that has accelerated dramatically. But I think we would force ourselves to create so much attention that national media, which we're fortunate we're getting some of now, would cover us that would you know continue to keep the word out. Yeah, that was kind of my thought too when I was pondering like, well, the Globetrotters did it in a pre-social media age, right? So it's totally doable. Because they were different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because they were, they were dramatically different. The NBA used to hire the Globetrotters to play the first game of doubleheader to get fans to actually come and watch the NBA teams. I mean, the Globetrotters are different now, and I think it's because you know they're having challenges reinvent and do it. But, but in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, they changed the game. They were everything. They were the biggest thing. I mean, they had movies. They had cartoons. They had books. They were everything. And uh, you know, it's pretty inspirational to think how they changed the game to make it flashier, more exciting. And, and I think it's impacted NBA even today. Don't you wish you only had a five-man roster in terms of your travel uh, budget? Jeez, if we were one four, I mean, literally, they're traveling thirty. We're traveling with two hundred and twenty. Man, we would save a lot of money. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a lot easier with basketball. But we'll we'll you, figure it out. We'll figure you, it out. You need a Marriott Bonvoy sponsorship. I know you're not taking any sponsors, but it feels to me like that's the obvious one. You know, or Hilton or something. We got to work that out. Yeah. Yeah, a couple couple buses would help. A couple buses, maybe a, uh, an airline. We'll, we'll work on that. Yes, and but you know, it can't be can't be advertising because again, I'm against just regular ads. It has to be experiential. I know. So we have to make it fun. Anna and I uh, have done a lot of strategy work for Chiquita Banana. This is a true story, uh, and we actually pitched Chiquita Banana at one point on doing a whole thing with the Savannah Bananas, and and they uh, did not go for it. But I, I'm going to take another swing at it someday. <laughs> Hey, we'll, we'll find one banana company that uh, wants to have some somebody, fun with us. Somebody anyway. is going gonna, is gonna to be a part of it. I'll, I'll tell you this, and, and if you can't find them, so we just do it ourselves. So give me an example. 
on May 24th, we're having Banana Fest. And we're playing, our professional team is playing our college team. And we're setting the record for most people in banana costumes. So we bought over 2,000 banana costumes. Everyone in the stadium, imagine a huge wave of banana costumes. Like, we invested in that because it'll add to the experience that we think from social media and everything will be worth it. We don't have a sponsor. It would have made it easier. 2,000 banana costumes aren't cheap. But we, we, we invest ourselves to create that experience, and hopefully it creates bigger fans. When you go to get 2,000 banana costumes... Is that just like, okay, everybody go to Amazon and get 50 each until they shut off the shopping cart? Or is there some sort of like wholesale banana costume uh, people that you go with it? That feels like a tricky intern assignment, like go get 2,000 of these. It's, it hasn't been easy, uh, yes, but we have found a provider of 2000 at a better price. Uh, it's still not cheap, but we, we've, we've found our way. But yes, a lot of the assignments that we have our team work on and buying stuff is not easy assignments. But it's worth it. It's going to be great on your LinkedIn profile someday. Bought 2,000 banana costumes. That's uh, going to refer for that as well. Speaking of costumes, uh, for those of you looking at one of our clips uh, in social media, Jesse is resplendent as always in the yellow tuxedo. Uh, Jesse's first book about the yellow tuxedo. That is his signature uh, move in all things, obviously at Savannah Bananas games. In his media appearances on stage, Jesse is a fantastic keynote speaker. If you get a chance to bring him into your organization or association, I absolutely recommend uh, you do that. So the same way that I always wear a plaid suit, Jesse always wears the yellow tuxedo. Uh, how many yellow tuxedos do you have now, Jesse? Uh, I am staying yeah. strong at seven right now. Seven, seven tuxedos. Seven. Yeah. seven. But you wear them all the time. Like I only wear the, the plaid suit on camera or on stage. You got to wear them to like baseball games and everything else. Like you've got a, you've got a little bit more uh, usage out of the tuxedo. They get some wear and tear, but, you know, and I, and I still believe I'm the only returning customer at brightcoloredtuxedos.com. I mean, I've got a good, <laughs> I keep getting them over there. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, and, but I, I get new top hats sent to me from, from time to time. So eventually I might have some, you know, partner on the yellow tuxedo. I just don't know if there's as much of a, a buying market out there these days. I feel like Men's Warehouse uh, could be another, another obvious brand tie-in. We'll, we'll work on it. Go ahead, Anna. I'm feeling like there's some really good swanky suit energy here that maybe there's like a podcast mashup, maybe a new TikTok channel or something between you two. Like you can rate and review your, your crazy suits. Suit yourself with Jesse and Jay. Ooh, great. great Very small audience, but it'll be a good audience. I don't even know where to go from there. That was just too good. Now we got to make it happen. See, Jay, see what you did? Uh, yeah, Jesse doesn't have time for that. He's got to go make his fortune, travel around the country playing banana ball. Um, what, where, where does this go from here, Jesse? I mean, you have um, broken all the rules uh, per the book, Fans First, and empowered action, engaged deeply, experimenting constantly, uh, bringing energy and entertainment and eliminated friction. So how do you continue? At some point, do you run out of, out of real estate to – um, continue to break things like, you know, do you, do you run out of, uh, run out of, of, uh, things to fracture? I, I think we'll have to find out. And, you know, it's funny. I, I think about, you know, our goals and where we want to go. And, you know, I never would have imagined this six years ago. So it's tough to set goals, but you know, I, I have a personal goal as a kid who was fortunate to be bat boy for the Red Sox when I was five years old and sit next to Lee Smith and Wade Boggs and Roger Clemens and Jody Reed. And then when I was 20, I pitched in an all-star game at Fenway park and it was the most adrenaline I ever had on a baseball field. And it was one bond my father and I had was the Red Sox and baseball. He bought a baseball facility so I could work out. And we literally went to Red Sox games all the time back when it was cheap and we could afford it. It was amazing. 
And I have a dream, and I shared with our team, I've shared it publicly, that within three years, uh, the Savannah Bananas are going to sell out Fenway Park, and I'm going to take my dad on the field and say, look what we did, dad. And uh, that's, that's part of the dream, and to sell out major league stadiums and take the show all over the world. Uh, that's uh, fantastic. I love that. Uh, and I think it'll happen a lot sooner than three years. Um, I think <laughs> next next summer you could sell out Fenway at this at this uh, rate of rate of change. Uh, I'm Thank super you. excited for it. And the book is spectacular, friends. Hear me now when I tell you, go pre-order fans first because it's going to sell out and then you're going to be bummed and you're going to say, Jay warned me, go buy it right now. You'll get it in a couple weeks and you will be super excited. Hey, you doing an audio book? Yes, I will be doing an audiobook. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Jesse's got the great pipes as well. Lots of fun. He'll bring a lot of energy to it. So if you're an audiobook listener as I am, you may want to uh, dial it up on Audible as well. Anna, should we give him uh, the final two questions? I think we should. Jesse, we've been chatting a lot, but uh, are you ready Let's for your it. final two? We cannot let you go without asking you the big two. Let's do it. All right. Question number one. If you could give a piece of advice to anyone who wants to become a social pro, what would it be? Okay, I'm going to do two. I'm going to break the rule on this. But it's on the back of our Fans First playbook. We share it with our team whenever we do Fans First You and Fans First Orientation. It says, be patient in what you want for yourself, but be impatient in how much you give to others. When you think about social media in particular, we are very impatient in what we want for ourselves often, but we're not impatient in how much we give to others. So that is that piece. And then if you really want to get good at that, quantity leads to quality. Like we said, how can you experiment, post, keep putting things out there, putting that, putting out there, putting out there. You will learn faster that way. And that's what we've been fortunate to be able to do. I mean, I'm going to take that piece of advice because obviously, as we've talked about, it has clearly paid off for your approach with the Savannah Bananas. So solid advice. Love that. All right. Second and final question, Jesse, if you could have a video call with any living person, who would it be? <laughs> All right. Well, I, I will answer that. But I said that the way I always love to go and the video call is tough for me, but I, I've envisioned like thousands of times and I know it can't happen. Uh, playing catch on Main Street, Disney with Walt Disney. Like I've envisioned that, like playing catch with him, having a conversation. That can't happen. There's no video call and the person's not living. So I broke the rules there. Um, but I would actually go to, and I referenced him earlier, Bob Iger. I, I am unbelievably inspired. His book, Ride of a Lifetime, was amazing. And knowing what he did to think so big with Disney and resurrect Disney when it was in a tough time and have the vision to work with Pixar and Steve Jobs, I would be fascinated to have a video call with Bob Iger. Yeah, a huge, huge visionary. Did did I read correctly that he just stepped back in for a little bit? No. Howard Schultz did. Howard Schultz stepped back to the start, right. but not Bob Iger. Got to get back like, up since to Since he's got all this CEO. ESPN coverage uh, and and uh, more on the way, which is a Disney property, and I know Bob's not at Disney anymore. I feel like you could hook up a, a video call with Bob Iger. Like I think you could make that a condition of participation pretty easily. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Work if, on uh, that. You need a better lawyer, yeah. Jesse. That's the thing. You, that's what, so we, here's what Put we that got. Into the we Marriott Bonvoy, yeah. Marriott Bonvoy, Men's Warehouse, and a better attorney. Those are the three things we're going to get for Jesse Cole uh, in 2022, my friends. This is, this is good. 
See, Jesse, you thought this was just going to be a simple, simple chat. Now we've got... Consulting's free. Consulting's free for me. Uh, I don't have a day job anymore. (laughs) Hey, say hi to Emily as well. I'm sure she's uh, always wondering, like, what is next on this crazy, crazy talk about ride of a lifetime. Uh, She's like, oh, wait, Mm -hmm. we bought a baseball team and now this. So uh, it's pretty, pretty nuts. Well, thank you. I'll definitely do my best. Fabulous. Jesse, congrats on everything. I'm so excited for the book. It comes out May 17th. Fans first, change the game, break the rules, and create an unforgettable experience. In the meantime, while everybody's waiting for that to come out, where should everybody follow you to check out the latest on you and the Savannah Bananas? (laughs) You search Savannah Bananas, you'll find us all over the place. You search Yellow Tux, you'll find me, as crazy as that is. Uh, But I spend most of my time on LinkedIn. I love sharing the journey, sharing the stories, and uh, love to connect on there. Awesome. Jesse, thank you so much again for being here. This episode, this, this episode was an absolute delight. It was, it was as bright and wonderful as your suit today. Uh, you guys are the best. Thanks so much. Thanks, Jesse. Thank you. And to our amazing listeners, thank you all so much for being here with us as well. We love having you come back week after week. I am Anna Harak from Convince and Convert. He is Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. And we hope to chat with you all next week on what we hope is your favorite podcast in the whole wide world social pros.